This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. I'm Coach Jen in Ocala, Florida. And I'm Karen Chatton from Gardnerville, Nevada. And you are listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for August 11th, 2020. This is episode 2494. Good morning, horse world. When your start time's on Saturday and your finish time's on Sunday, and it doesn't get much better than best conditioned, and completing the challenge is the challenge, you're an endurance rider. Welcome back, Karen. Karen's here the second Tuesday of every month. How you been doing? Good. Good morning, Jen. Good to hear from you. Yay! Out in, in Colorado where you are. Nevada or Nevada, Colorado, Nevada, all those Glenn big, wide open spaces, states, Colorado, too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> is August a good riding month where you are? You know, it can be. It is getting up in the 90s. So um, and then in the afternoon, some of the days we have afternoon thunderstorms. So a lot of those days you don't want to go out in the afternoon because there's lightning and thunder and rain and hail and wind. Those kind of Dangerous sorts of things. Yeah, could be. Um, on the other hand, if you want to get, you know, some training in with the heat and humidity, then that's the perfect time to go. <laughs> <laughs> now, does it still cool off in the evenings overnight at all? It does, but it still takes until like after seven o'clock. You know, usually we have to wait till later to walk the dogs because the pavement gets so hot. You yeah. know, for their little pause. So we wait till, you know, later in the evening and give everything a chance to cool down. Yeah. I wonder if there's any place okay. in the United States that August is a good month for riding. Probably Southern California. Well, you know? Southern California does not count. Anytime you talk about weather, <laughs> it just doesn't count. They're disqualified. That's just as qualified. I'm sorry, California <laughs> listeners. You're just as qualified. By the way, if you're not a regular listener... Karen Chatton is a seasoned and well-traveled and really knowledgeable endurance rider. And she comes on the show once a month and we geek out on all things endurance. And I am an eternal endurance newbie because I can't manage to get my act together and actually do it very often. But I'm curious and I try once in a while. So we're going <laughs> to geek out on all things endurance again this month. And we're going to chat with two different guests today. Robin Barcelo Chris is going to come by and talk about the... Uh, virtual Tevis ride, which I'm so excited about. Oh, no, she actually rode the whole Tevis trail. Oh, she actually, oh, that's right. She actually did it. That's right. They they did it. They did their own optional, very own personal Tevis. And it's kind of interesting how they did it. So they're going to talk about that. And then Susie Hayes, Bighorn 100 winner, Bighorn 100, obviously a 100 mile endurance ride, a really exciting and popular one, the Bighorn. And she's going to talk about being the winner there. So we're going to do those two things. But first, in the show, the first thing we do, of course, is catch up on what we what Karen's been up to for the past month. And like many folks, she had a COVID purchase. And if you don't know what a COVID purchase is, because you've been listening, you're listening to this show 
in August of the year 2025. Just go on there to your Google <laughs> and Google 2020, and there will be headline after headline about what COVID is. So what what was your COVID purchase, Karen? Uh, well, I have a, a couple. The first one is I got a knee injection <laughs> Ooh. last week. That's not a purchase. That's icky. Well, well, it kind of is. I had to pay for it. So That's true. Um, yes, I got my knee injected. So now my left knee, I can mount without pain on my new horse. <gasps> new pony, new pony, new pony. Ding, 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 ding. Yes, I got a new horse. And <laughs> go figure. It's a flea bitten gray. So now I have two flea bitten gray horses. Wow. Too fl- uh, so you got a new uh, horse. Tell t- What's his name? Tell me all about him. So except now I have to deal with my husband when I say, do you see the horses out in the field or in the barn? And he says, I see a gray horse. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody's going to have to permanently wear an orange neck collar or something. Uh, he says I need to put letters on, on their butts so that he can tell them apart. I am like, really? <laughs> well, so, yeah. You know- there's a there's a gray horse out there. There's two gray horses out there. And he's like, I can't tell them apart. They're both gray. <laughs> so, well, that's valid when you're a horse husband. He, he's an uh, 11-year-old Anglo-Arab. Now, re- remind everybody what Anglo-Arab means. Anglo means he's half thoroughbred Alrighty. and half Arabian. Mm-hmm. And he belonged originally to a friend of mine who has since passed away from cancer. And this was going to be her next Tevis horse. And I w- originally I found this horse for a friend of mine who wanted to do Tevis and do some of the Pacific Crest Trail and stuff. And then he ended up having some health issues and needing his hip replaced and whatnot. So the horse never really got used to his potential. And so I fortunately just totally unexpectedly and this all happened like in a day uh i mean i didn't even have to horse shop or look he got delivered to my house i bought him i never even trotted him out oh gosh (laughs) i you know it's sort of kind of funny i have yet to do a pre-purchase exam on a horse i just get horses and wait wait stop there stop there Uh do not Try anything you hear on this show at home. Don't do what I do. (laughs) Exactly. We cannot recommend it. Cannot. (laughs) So, yes, I actually bought the horse, you know, wrote out the check, got the paperwork assigned to me, and had not even trotted the horse. (laughs) Oh, my God. Had you ever seen the horse before? Oh, yes. I know the horse. Um, I've ridden him in the past. Oh, that, see, there we go. That makes it all better. I've ridden with him and I know, you know, if there was something wrong, it it wouldn't have been a problem for me to, you know, bring him back over because he was only living a mile and a half from me. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So um, it took longer to hitch up the trailer, load him up and drive him there than it would have been to ride him. Yeah. To just walk him over here pretty much or pony him or whatever. So yeah. So I have this horse. He gets delivered (laughs) to my you know, to my barn. I don't even have to go get him. And, um, and he's a real sweetie. He's a super friendly horse. I separated him with, from chief 
through the fence because I wasn't sure how they were going to get along because I know this horse had been dominant to the other horse he had been living with initially. But as it turned out, these two are like fast friends. They got along. There was no ears back, no nothing. They, they've been getting along and they've been turned out together after the first day ever since. And everything, you know, has been going really good. I've ridden him in the arena. I'm going to, you know, keep doing that until we're both comfortable with each other. And then I'm going to have him, um, go out on the trail with chief and I'll have one of the juniors come over and ride chief. And so what's the new guy's name? His name is Apollo. Oh, good name. Yes. So Apollo. So, now, how tall is Apollo? Um, he's too tall. <laughs> I just, you know, is that what is that what inspires you to get your knee injected? Having gotten a taller horse. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, what was I? Why do? Why does this happen to me? I and every horse I get gets taller. <laughs> I mean, That's not so, usually the trend as we age. It, he's pretty close to about fifty. He's definitely fifteen two. That's pretty. Big. And, that's a pretty good sized endurance horse, isn't it? And and that's barefoot. So once I put boots on him, I think he's. You can probably call him fifteen three. And how how tall's Chief? About fifteen one. Oh, so he's not that big. That much. He's not that much. No, he's not that much bigger. Although he's a longer horse because he's. You know, the Anglo. Mm -hmm. So he's not quite as compact as an Arab would be. But, you know, yeah, he's got a lot of different gears. <laughs> <laughs> now, are, are Anglo Arabs, how common are they in the endurance biz? There's a few. There's several. I mean, there's several I know. And all the ones that I have known have really good recoveries. Mm -hmm. So I expect that this horse will. He does have an endurance record. He has done... Um, but it's been like five years. He's done a couple of fifties and like five LD rides. Mm -hmm. So he's got seven completions on his record mm -hmm. and no pulls. And so I know he's definitely, you know, got the potential, um, you know, to, to be an endurance horse and hopefully a hundred mile horse. Yeah. So we'll, we'll see. He's, How old is he? Uh, he's 11. Oh, so he's just getting smart. Yes, just yeah. getting smart, settling cool. down, you know, and, and he's a tester, no doubt about it. Uh, you know, he's that, not a beginner type of horse. That, that maybe comes from the thoroughbred side. Could be. Well, Arabs are testers too. Are they? Though. See, there you go. It's a perfect combination. So you know what you're going to get <laughs> when you cross an Arab and a thoroughbred, you know, you're going to get a tester. Um, in the endurance biz... At, as you move up the competition levels, the longer the race, the tougher the competition, essentially, you tend to find Arabians almost exclusively, and those Arabians are bred for endurance. You don't see a lot of Arabians with um, costume class champions in their backgrounds or Western pleasure champions in their backgrounds and things like that. They It tends to be a very specific bloodline. Um is are the are the Arab side of this guy's lines endurance? Do you know? Um, I believe so because um, I did look up his sire, uh, which has some like I believe it's Basque and uh, some Polish, which actually some of the same horses in his pedigree were in also in my previous horse Bo's pedigree. 
Ah, so that makes sense. So there we go. There you go. Yeah. So and uh, both horses don't like goats. I've already discovered that. And how did you discover that they don't like goats? Because two houses down from me, there are two goats. <laughs> And you are obligated to pass those goats on a regular basis. Uh, every time we have to pass the goats. Well, you know, so maybe we, you can ask your neighbor if you can back. borrow the goats and just put them <laughs> in the paddock with your horses and they'll kind of get over it. Well, he's going to have to get over it. He's going to get an education, <laughs> um, you know, especially during, you know, quote unquote COVID because everybody is out on the trail. They're all out there with their off-road vehicles and their oh. motorcycles and their dogs and their bicycles. And so yeah. it's much busier than usual. Yeah. So yeah. yes, this horse is going to get, he's going to get quite an education. Have you, it, have you found it a struggle trying to get persons who are bicyclists and a little bit less so foot traffic. Could you please just talk? They've all, why is it all Americans think you have to be super quiet and careful and stealthy when you're near um, a horse? Why? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know. Just talk like, people. Hello, say something. <laughs> Hi. And they're, and they're incredulous when you ask them to do that. Cause we're having the same thing here. When we do, do finally get out to a trailhead with the horses uh -huh. um, because, and this is all the time down here because yeah, trail riding, trail bicycling, trail walking is uh -huh. just, it's a, it's a cultural thing here. They're all now do the your trails allow motorized vehicles? The ones we take our horses on do not allow motorized vehicles. Okay. Very, very few down here I allow see. Motor motorized see, I vehicles. I have like BLM land. So that's know, a kind of a free-for-all. Yeah. And so it's definitely a free-for-all. There yeah. will be people shooting. They'll be firing off rockets. Yeah. There's uh, motorcycles, side-by-sides, quads. Yeah. yeah if, there, uh, if, there's, if there's rifle fire, if there's anything. shooting of any sort, we just don't go there because we have... We have um, a number of places where we can ride that have hunting seasons. Sure. and uh -huh. But we, we choose to not ride during those seasons. You're allowed to, but I'm from Pennsylvania. <laughs> we d No, <laughs> do not go out there unless you are covered from head to toe in, in orange. orange and your life insurance is paid <laughs> in Pennsylvania during game season. I see. Uh -huh. Yeah. So we just don't. But yeah. It's, yeah. it's interesting how culturally... Um, Americans, I don't know how it works anywhere else, think that the best thing to do when presented with a horse is to be super quiet and or stealthy like, and act like a predator. Thing, yeah, the <laughs> other thing they do is they move out of the trail. And hide in the trees. They, they move behind a tree or yeah. a bush. <laughs> So now it looks like they're, yeah. like they're, like you said, they're a predator waiting to pounce. Yeah, and I'm okay with that. What I find difficult to deal with is when you say, excuse me, sir, and I try to put on my best smiley face because, you know, I'm, I'm, gum, I, I'm thrilled that you're out here using the same trail as I am. It's, a, it's best if you just stop or slow down and say hello or good morning in a loud voice and then the horse knows you're a human and it's all cool. Right. And they look at me like I have two heads. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, we, we have to deal with the ones that have the you know they all went they got their stimulus checks from the <laughs> and they all went out and bought off-road motorcycles oh and that's a shame. so nobody so they're new to the whole 
yeah. idea of off-roading and yeah. riding their motorcycles out here. And they have not been taught any kind of etiquette or manners. And so what happens is we hear them coming. So we move off the trail because they know we know they're going to come zipping around a turn in the trees as fast as they can go. And when they see us, they don't even slow down. No. <laughs> they just zoom right on by. And it's like, I don't know what would happen if we didn't get off the trail. I think they would probably run into us. They would run into you, and then there would be a rule about 18 months later that said horses couldn't use the trail. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so they, a lot of these people have just flown right on by me and not even slowed down. Yeah. They don't slow down. And they're wearing their helmets, so they kind of have tunnel vision. Yeah, yes, it does. It does impede your vision, and you can't hear a darn thing. Yeah. Exactly. So they don't, some of them, I, I know we've had some of them in groups pass us, and I swear they never even knew that there were two horses there. Wow. Have you started have you started to see any signage pop up? I know that's something we've seen more and more of down here. Now the signs to me, if I look at that sign, I know what the sign means and I still uh-huh. look at the sign and find the sign confusing. The little triangle sign that has a horse and a human walking in a and a a bicycle of some sort with the little arrows that go around that you're supposed to yield to the horse. Have you seen those go up at all? We really haven't because it's BLM. And then what the BLM did a few years ago that, you know, they're not, they just don't seem to have anybody with any common sense in charge, at least in our district. So they came out and they found some of our nicest single track, beautiful trails, and they put up signs saying this is a designated trail. Well, now those really nice single track trails, you can, I could drive my um, one ton dually truck down because they've turned into roads. Oh, so they, by labeling Uh them, they've just vastly advanced the traffic. They they allowed them to be basically ruined because everybody, I mean, it's one thing when just it, just a motorcycle or even a quad, but now it's everybody with their side by sides and their four wheel, you know, Jeeps or other vehicles going down them. And they've gone from a single track, nice, beautiful trail to basically a road. And then what happens in the winter, they get a dip in them and then it turns into a mud a pothole. Puddle, yeah. yeah. And then everybody starts driving around it. So now we have, it's like a four lane highway on some of what used to be a nice single track trail, all courtesy of BLM putting up their stupid signs saying it was a designated trail. Now, when you you marked the existing roads, but no. (laughs) Yeah. They, and they, I'm sure they haven't got any kind of staff to police any of that stuff. Oh no. Good, good luck. Um, you know, yeah. like I called them a few months ago because someone was illegally cutting firewood. Ooh. And the the nearest person that they had was three and a half hours away. Wow. So there was no way they were going to do anything about no. the, Or they could. There no. was no way they could do anything. No. So. Well, it, you know what you I, could do? You get on TikTok. And <laughs> there you go. Just film them, you know. Get get on get on get on the, the Facebook and put Facebook Live. Here I am. This is what this guy's doing. <laughs> well, and the thing was is because we were on the horses. As soon as the guy and he has a chainsaw, so he's up there. He's got his pickup truck and he's up there cutting wood. And you know he shouldn't be cutting the wood because it's too close to houses for one thing. And 
as soon as he saw us, he turned off the chainsaw and he ran and hid on the other side of his pickup. And we could see him peek, peeping no way! Oh my gosh! Peeping up <laughs> over the back of the truck watching us. Wow. <laughs> wow. And uh, so it was, yeah, the we got to deal with that kind of stuff. And then you got the people that are out there shooting and they leave their shotgun shells. Oh, bad, bad shooters. Bad. Shame on you. And and again, you know, the ones that are, you know, conscientious and, you know, respectful go to the shooting range. We have two shooting ranges. So my horses all do get used to. Yeah. You know, know, that could actually be a handy thing is if you are, near a place where people shoot responsibly and safely exactly to let your horse right. get used to that. Cause we have a, a private shooting range here on the property that belongs mm-hmm. to the landlord. So our horses are used to periodic mm-hmm. lots of shooting, which can be very handy. It is. Yeah. It's, it's good. You want your horse used to that sort of thing. Yeah. But you know, the ones that come out just out onto the BLM that they're clueless. They don't even pay attention to where, you know, they will sit there in the riverbed and shoot across a trail that where there are people, you know, foot yeah. traffic, people walking their yeah. dogs, riding their horses, riding bikes, and they shoot right across it and uh, just without a care in the world. They're just care uno- the world. There fully unaware. Well, there you go. Well, I have to be unaware. And speaking of unaware, um, we are going to zip through and we're going to do our we're going to do our endurance tip of the month really quick here before we call Karen from the distance depot because she always has something cool Kristen. going on or Kristen Karen Kristen from the Hi, distance Karen. depot you have in here we're going to talk about horse collars for camping give me the quick quick and lowdown on that okay I have been using collars on a horse for as many, opposed many, to halters as opposed to a halter. And the benefit of using a collar is that you can tie your rope a little bit shorter, actually several inches shorter. And so that lessens the risk of your horse getting tangled or getting, you know, a lot of horses, especially after you ride them and they get itchy and scratchy, they tend to want to take a hind leg, reach around and scratch their ear. And what invariably happens, I think almost every, every endurance horse I've ever had has to do this at least once. They end up putting their hind leg over their tie rope. Ah! And then they end up hopping around on three legs until they fall down and get a rope burn. <laughs> Yikes! See, that's, yeah. the ki- that's the kind of decision Nigel would make. Ugh. So, you know, they do it and then a lot of times they learn and then they don't do it again. But the nice thing with the collars is that they will rotate around so you can tie your rope several inches shorter and then it doesn't give them that much leeway to basically hang themselves. Yeah. Now, when you use a collar, do you use it on a high tie system or directly to the trailer? Um, you could do either one. Mm-hmm. I use the high ties on my horses and with the collar, it gives, they still have the freedom to lie down or roll. Um, it just lessens the chance of them getting caught up or tangled because you don't have as long of a length of rope in order for them to be able to, you know, to lie down and to reach everything that they need to. So that's the benefit of using a collar. But on the other hand, too, for safety purposes, you want to train, you know, train your horse to be, 
used to using a collar so that yeah, the they're first not time gonna, you use it is shouldn't be at a competition be at a ride yeah, yeah or yeah. on a trip or on a trail ride or, or you know anything like that you want to practice ahead of time get your horse used to being led being tied be even being lunged just getting them used and um now i got a new horse he gets to learn all this stuff learn- how do you how do you fit a collar how should it fit on them how tight how loose um I minor, um, you know, I don't want them really tight because you want them to be able to move around and rotate on around their necks, but also you don't want it so that they can slip out of it. So usually I have mine so that you can like if the horse gets it pulled a certain way, it might go over one ear, but that's it. No more than that. Okay. And then um and, and then like I said, you want to train them so that they're used to that so that if that happens they're not going to freak out. It you know, it's not a big deal. So I will be um training the new horse to get used to using a collar. Boy, you know, you get a new horse and you realize all these things that <laughs> they have to learn. There's just there's, there's so much. So much There's so much and, and for, yeah and endurance horses, horses have so much they have to learn that's not even the part the saddle in the saddle parts there's just tons exactly yeah. and to make them so that they're safe to take them out in public yeah there's just a million little things you don't realize it's like and i do know uh, after i ha- i got apollo here the next morning i gave him a bath it was his first bath i know that he's had in at least five years (laughs) he has to learn how to get a bath right (laughs) he was a little bit surprised there we (laughs) go well speaking of learning things why don't we give Kristen from the distance depot a holler and find out what's going on at the distance depot the distance depot this is Kristen. Good morning, Kristen. It's Karen and Jennifer this morning. How are you both doing? Really good. How about you? Good. Doing very well. Good. So what is new at the Distance Depot this month? Oh, boy. Well, we have um, some some new thin line products, which I think we talked about last time. Um, and and uh, I don't really know what's new. <laughs> <laughs> What's new? Just just trying to to get everybody's order out the door to them. Lots of orders coming through, which is great. We appreciate that for sure. And so, have you? Do you have any new recent uh, colors of biothane? We do have some, um, a few somewhat new colors: um, navy, navy blue in the matte finished beta, and we have gold um, and a new pink. But these colors have been around for for a little while, gray also, and I think a teal. And they've been around um, for a little while. We have over 70 colors. Wow. (laughs) So I know it. So there's lots of options for you to choose from. Um, We generally like to put the matte finished colors against the horse. Um, The beta is a little thicker, if you will, than that shiny biothane. So... Mm -hmm. um, it's just, it works better against the horse. It's more comfortable for the horse. And then you can use the shiny colors if you like as an accent color or an overlay color. Uh And uh, we do have a color chart on the website. So if you're trying to choose colors, um, that would help you for sure. Um, I I will say uh, colors are such a personal thing. 
So people will say, what color will look best on my chestnut? (laughs) (laughs) Um, And there's so many colors, like I say, and combinations. We see wild combinations, um, and then we see just black or brown. So, Uh of course, we have something for everyone. We have camo colors and reflect colors, and, of course, the Navajo designs, which are really fun, too. Um, Have you picked out colors for your new horse yet, Karen? I haven't. I'm considering colors. And so I I saw you mentioned that you've got some um, albums of photos of horses in different color tack. We do. That um, I can go look at. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So on our Facebook page, if you go to um, our Facebook page, The Distance Depot, on Facebook, we have lots of pictures Folks are so kind, they send in pictures of their horses all dressed up. So we do have lots of pictures with horses of all different colors, black and grays and chestnuts, um, that would help you decide. Um, We also send out color snippets. So if you want to see these colors in person, the hard thing with colors, even though we try to scan them and and do our best to make them realistic Mm -hmm. on the color chart, um, each monitor... Every color monitor seems to show the colors just a little differently. Sure. So if you want uh-huh. to see them in person, um, you can always email us at info at thedistancedepot.com, and we okay. can mail you out a few snippets. And okay. that way you can see the colors in person, hold them up to your horse, or if you're trying to match a breast color that you already have or a saddle pad, then you'll be able to see them and see what works best. Okay. Um, so, yeah. Is I'm leaning towards maybe a green or purple, um, yeah. you know, most of the other colors I've done already. Right. So <laughs> something a little different. I know. Right. See, that's the thing with biothane is it lasts forever. Exactly. So you need to get a new horse in order <laughs> to justify getting more. <laughs> that's right. That's <laughs> or pick right. a different but, color, you know, change your yeah. colors around once in a while. Um, because, yep. yeah, this tact does it just lasts forever and ever it's wonderful stuff it it is great stuff and and on our color chart if you click on the color chart on our so on the left hand side navigation menu it's one of the first um clickable categories and it will say color chart and beta biothane information so it gives you a little bit of information about the biothane as well but if you click on the picture of the color chart it gets larger and then if you click again it gets even larger so oh good okay pretty, yeah you can really see the color you can get some well. ideas or check, okay yeah or check check on, check on facebook and see if we have um the combination you're looking for like i said there's so many so many options it gets a little crazy but we we've, we've done put up pictures of quite a few different combinations so that should help it would be fun to do the math how many combo color combinations are there available at the distance depot i know it it would be quite a bit (laughs) (laughs) assignment to our math geeks out there (laughs) where can people where can people find out more about the distance depot make an order check it all out shop Yes, well, they can visit our website, which is www.thedistancedepot.com, or give us a call toll-free, 866-863-2349. Perfect. Well, thanks a bunch again, Kristen, for stopping by. Thanks, Kristen. Have a good day. Bye. You too. Bye-bye. Cool. Now i got to go shop again. I know. And and the great part is you can literally 
custom order that stuff and it takes practically no time at all because they make oh, it they are, right there they're so fast their turnaround time is so fast yeah it, t- it takes less time to get custom tack from the distance depot than it does to get regular tack from a lot of other places <laughs> exactly it does <gasps> that's really cool well i think it's time for our first guest today robin barcelou Thanks for joining us. I'm excited to hear about your ride you did last week on the Tevis Trail. What do you want to know? Well, tell us about it. Um, You know, what was involved with the planning and just how did it go? Yeah, I'll I'll start with the planning and I'll try to make it really quick because I really want the girls to talk about the experience itself. But Back when coronavirus first happened, both girls came to my ranch. They okay, and these are these are your two granddaughters, and how old are they? No, Allie Wheeler is my granddaughter, and she lives in Visalia, Central California, five hours away from me. Emma Alder lives in San Juan Capistrano. She's only about an hour and a half from me. Okay, and. and she has a little Mustang Murray, and she started doing 50s on him last year. Anyway, when coronavirus happened it, and the girls couldn't go to school, we had coronation at our house. They both came, and we, you know, <laughs> attacked the trails. But Good. then tra- trails were closed, and it was so hard. But in my mind, I said, well, I have you guys for three weeks. We're training for Tevis, which is what our plan was back in March. And I said, maybe now that we can, you're out of school, we can go up to Auburn and camp and do some of those trails. Well, um, someone on Facebook said, what part of stay home do you not understand? So I felt really bad even toasting that and everything was closed. We couldn't park, we couldn't camp, anything. So that was, that plan was squashed. But we continued to train when we could get together here at home. I'm in San Diego, Valley Center, and I do have a friend that from here that rides Allie's horse since she's not with me to keep him conditioned. And anyway, fast forward, all of a sudden in June, Dawn Kerr, who I follow on Facebook, said, I want to do an adventure ride and started making the plans. And I said, I'm in. This is just what the doctor ordered. So when she posted that she wanted to do just get friends, get together to do the Tevis Trail, of course, I said, whatever it takes, we'll do it. Uh-huh. So that, that's how it started. And I, um, it did take a lot of planning because I'm meticulous about everything has to be perfect and planned. And I would say on this ride, because of the water situation at some of the camps, you had to pack in your own water. I have 80 gallons on the top of my two horse. And by the way, I have a two horse, a nice two horse gooseneck, but I do not have an LQ. So people need to know, you don't need an LQ. The girls slept in a tent with an aero bed. We borrowed a generator and we camped, but it was a blast. And we, Murray is a Mustang Arab. He's only 13, three. 13, three. He's oh. half a horse. So we, we took out the divider in my two horse and we traveled nine hours to Auburn in my two, with 
two and a half horses and my three <laughs> horse and my two horse. Anyway, it worked. And then one more thing, and then I'm going to let you ask the girls questions. We okay. camped because it was nine hours from San Diego to Auburn. And uh, Karen, am I talking to Karen right now? Yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, Karen. So we camped at Overlook, and it was perfect because we had water and everything the first night. And then we started this ride. The first day was from Alpine Meadows Ski Resort right in the parking lot to Talbot Camp, which is in the middle of Tahoe National Forest. And so we got up early that morning and drove to Alpine Meadows for the start. And we were there by 6.30 in the morning. So we, we were on our horses by 7. We were actually the first group to go out. And we followed Alicia Camberg on our mule, and she kind of pointed the way. One more thing, and then I'll shut up. We <laughs> had tracks. We used Ride with Ride GPS. It was on my iPhone. Okay. And it gives you turn-by-turn instructions like your nice. navigation. So I had a hard time listening to the lady talking to me on my horse, and I can't see really well. But Emma took my phone, and she when we got to Squaw Valley, it was giving us conflicting directions. And you know how it is at Squaw Valley. Uh-huh. Um, the Remember, this isn't Teva, so there's no ribbons or signs or anything. We were on our own, and there's a million different trails to take. So another group behind us caught up to us at that point, and we followed them up um, and got back on track. But anyway, that was how we started. So the first day was Squaw and um, to Talbot Camp, and then, but we didn't go through the bogs. And someone mentioned they they've made the bogs. They fill them with rocks, so they're not nearly as bad. But I will say the trail, someone else told us that the Tevis Trail this year, uh, Lion Ridge, for example, on the second day, was rockier. She has, it's another rider that was there that's completed um, 10. She has 10 buckles out of 11 starts. Mm -hmm. She said she's never seen the Tevis Trail so rocky. So if they had held the Tevis this year, it would have been a lot slower. I mean, there was no way you could really trot some of those trails because they were extraordinarily rocky. Okay. Okay. But that's that's the beginning and that was how the planning happened. Oh, and my husband Ken rode the, drove the rig and set up camp for me oh, every good. day. And that was good. Okay, well let's uh, hear from, really, let's let's hear from the kids. Okay. <laughs> so so which which one of you am I talking to right now? Um both of them. Both of you. So Emma and Allie, what did you think? Was this your first time riding on the Tevis Trail? No, we did the Tevis Ed ride. Okay. Yeah, and I've ridden it a few times. Like, I've ridden the little bits of it a few times. And so, no. Okay, so did you both go over Cougar Rock? Yeah. Yeah. And what did you think? It was it wasn't as bad as I thought it was gonna be. It was easier <laughs> than it looked. Right, right. It's the anticipation of it. It's Yeah. It, mm-hmm. Yeah. So if the Tevis had gone this year, would you guys have entered? Um yeah. Probably. <laughs> so you both want to do Tevis someday? Yeah, we both want to do it really bad. Okay. So, what was your favorite part of the trail? 
Um, I really liked doing the canyon because it wasn't as hot as it usually is. Uh-huh. So it was really Yeah, my favorite part was the canyon because the horses felt like really good. Uh-huh. And it was did you ride across the swinging bridge? Yeah. Okay. What did you think of that? It was good. We'd done it before. So we kind of like knew that it was like. Okay. You did it on the Ed ride. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. What, what part do you think is the hardest? Um, probably like the canyon. Like going <laughs> up from the canyon. Uh-huh. Like going yeah, up. Yeah. 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 How did your horses do? They're really good. They're breathing pretty hard, but besides that, they're good. Uh-huh. Yeah, they're really good. Yeah. So, so we do you were, think? We, we, yeah. Go uh, ahead. We were surprised uh, at how well the horses did. I mean, five days, a hundred miles, they were sound over all those rocks. Of course, this was slower than Tebas uh-huh. with more with more intervals but we did try to ride them we trotted whenever we could and we averaged eight nine mile an hour trot when we could but there was a lot of walking which actually was probably really good for the horses Uh uh-huh sure sure so do you think your horses are going to be ready if you want to do tevis next year yeah yeah hopefully we'll be able to have it next year yeah, and hopefully we can get to ride to train, help condition them for it. Yeah, so how are you guys handling all this stuff with the COVID? Um, well, I've been coming to my grandma's house, and then we've just been riding out here. Oh, good. I'm just riding. Good. We so are, when, <laughs> when school goes back, are you guys going to be going to school, or are you going to do online school or what's your plans for that? Mine is all online. Okay. Yeah, mine's all online too. But when it starts up again, I'm going to go back. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you miss it? A little bit. Not really. Usually, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. It's kind of a mixed bag. <laughs> Good. Well, I'm glad you guys did. And so did you get a bunch of good pictures? Yeah. Yeah. Whenever good. We up, whenever we went up Cougar, Emma had to like climb up the rock to take a video of me. And then I had to like go down or, and then I had to go up and then take a video of her. And, uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, neat. Well, I'm sure it was yeah, a lot of fun doing it. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. We were by ourselves out there. This was not like we didn't see other riders usually until we got to the checks, which was there was one at Red Star. Like okay, yeah, okay. But we were all by ourselves out there, so you, you know we never saw anyone on trail. Okay, we? so you did roughly twenty miles a day. Yeah, we did twenty-two. Well, one day we went too far because we didn't see the rigs all parked off the road, so we did an extra five miles. That was two last chance. We okay. We're going to be at last chance, but they were before last chance, so we walked right by. Oh, okay. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> you know those kind of things because the navigation didn't help us with that. It just uh-huh. said you're last chance. So. Oh, okay. Anyway, 
Wow. But I would encourage anyone who has this opportunity, I don't know if they're going to have any more of these. This is just uh, uh, an endurance rider's dream when you don't have rides to go to. Uh-huh. Uh, you have to have it, but it was fun, right, girls? I mean, yeah. it was camping. And so we got a lot of practice, and it was so great for the horses with the camping and everything. Sure, and sure. Yeah, Dawn is doing another one this week, I believe. Yes, another yes. Group. Oh, good. We were her okay. pigs. <laughs> good. Well, I'm glad you guys got to do that. That's kind of exciting. I think there's probably yeah. a lot of listeners that are envious of you guys. Mm-hmm. My favorite part was um, on the fifth day, we did like the alternative ride and we rode down the poverty bar and we uh-huh. got our horses and we went swimming in the, in the river. Oh, good. <laughs> and uh, like the current wasn't really strong, so that was really fun. Oh, good. Good. Now, did you guys do the river crossing that normally takes place no. of this? Oh, okay. So you didn't do that part because I know they kind of... Slow down the flow for that for the actual Tevis. Mm-hmm. Correct. It was too deep, and we couldn't really see where the crossing was in the daytime. It looked different from the other side. Uh, okay. But we went to the bar and back to Overlook. It was 11 miles each way, and that was the last day. We uh, last year on the end ride did the cow loop, so we skipped that part this year and did the over the um, no hands. You know, okay. out and back. Oh, okay. good. Okay. And, and the girls swam, like they said, at Poverty Bar. And it was, that was a fast day. We did trot most of that. Oh, good. Yeah. That's some of the easier part of the trail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. well thanks. Well, well, thanks a bunch, guys. It was so much fun hearing from you. Hey. And Karen is absolutely correct. There are a lot of us, including me, who are envious. And maybe someday I will get to go out west and do some trails somehow or other but thanks again for uh, coming on and we look forward to hearing about your adventures via social media in the future thank you thank thanks you. you guys have a good day yeah. bye. bye what a cool grandma isn't that great <laughs> that's so cool they got to go out and do that and that's a great idea uh kind of like the the virtual Tevis, which is something they're doing right now, where we'll go into that at a different time because that's just so cool. They're offering these different ways for people to get out and enjoy these trail rides who are endurance riders that fit into the current, this is how we can be active out of doors situation. Right. And I, I really yeah. applaud the regular people. They're not just waiting for the AERC to do everything for them. People are coming up with great ideas. They're implementing it. And they're making it happen for people who want to be out there riding. And you don't, and it's not just for people who are at expert level. There's something for everybody that's still continuing to encourage people of all riding levels and all skill levels to participate. Yeah, because with the COVID thing, we're dealing with, you know, every state has different regulations, different guidelines and different. Every county has different guidelines, for goodness sake. I know. And then they change every four and a half days. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And you're, you're also in a state that's resistant to. (laughs) No, Floridians are not welcome anywhere right now. (laughs) (laughs) You go across state lines and you show your license. It's like, oh, nope, you can't come here. We don't want you. (laughs) 
<laughs> I know. Yeah, well, and I'm in a county still, you know, we're very rural. So uh, we have had no deaths yet, knocking on wood, from COVID in my area. And so that leads a lot of people to be in denial, <laughs> basically. Yes. Yes. And so most people around here have continued on as if nothing's going on. As if nothing's going on, yeah. (laughs) And and I'm sure it's that way in a lot of the United States where people are very spread out and it hasn't actually affected somebody directly. They're not as likely to take this as seriously as some that are in an area where it got hit hard with a lot of infections. Well, the denser the population... The denser the infection rate. The denser the population. Yeah, the denser the... Well, earlier on, you mentioned about uh, your new horse, Apollo. He's going to have to get his renegade boots. Tell us a little bit about renegade boots. Exactly. Yes, renegades are made in the United States, which is great. I believe they're the only major manufacturer of a horse boot that is made in the United States, which is great because they're providing a lot of jobs um, to you know, and keeping people employed because right now people still want to go out and ride. So when they do go over some of these rocky trails, they can provide the you know excellent hoof protection to their horses that Renegades provide. They make two different models of boots. They have the Renegade Classic and the Viper model, and it just so happens with Apollo's sort of half thoroughbredy shaped flat not so great feet they're not you know horrible but they're also not as you know great as other horses i've had in the past but the vipers fit him just perfectly and so i got him fitted in the vipers and we've been doing uh, work in the arena walk trot canter and the boots have been working fantastic for him You know, they're so versatile. They give him traction on all the different footing on the pavement. We actually had our street paved recently, which is kind of, you know, we were like a little bit in shock that the county realized that, you know, we've been living here for 30 years. And maybe (laughs) was it was it unpaved previously? It was paved, but it hadn't been touched for 30 years. Uh. And so it was in dire need of pavement. But so now we have this nice clean, black, smooth, super slippery, brand new pavement. Yeah, brand new pavement and and horses, not always a good mix. Yeah. So the Renegades are great, uh, or the Vipers, for providing traction on pavement. And uh, yeah, they're they're great for pavement. They're great for rocks. You know, basically anything where you want to have some good traction, as well as provide uh, the hoof protection for your horse and so that's the nice thing with renegades they also come in several different colors so you can match them with whatever color uh of tack or whatever it is (laughs) yeah and for people who want to have a renegade hoof boot around as a spare if you if you've got if you've got them around for spares let's say your horse wears horseshoes well invariably if they wear horseshoes they're tearing them off at the least least in least convenient moment if, if you, you ride enough you'll get a, eventually have a loose shoe whether yeah. it comes off or not yeah um it, if it just becomes loose you can throw on a renegade over yep. the top of it or if it does come off use a renegade uh yeah. over and a, the barefoot a great and, way to do that though is let not all horses have the same size so the red boot 
fits this horse, the blue boot fits this horse, so that when you do need, in a hurry, we need to get a boot on that horse, we can't miss a day of training, or he needs to get turned out, but he's his shoe is gone. All you do is walk in the tack room and grab the blue one. You know exactly which one fits him because you figured that out in advance and they come exactly. in a million cars. Oh, you're camping for a week in the yeah. back country. Yeah. Um, it can keep you, you know, being able to ride every day yeah. by having an extra boot or two. Yeah. There which we go. is, you know, you don't want to ruin your whole trip because you, you know, something that can be completely preventable yep. and fixable. That's right. So there you go. It's always good to, you know, anybody that rides horses for any length of time, it's always a good idea to have, you know, some knowledge and experience um, with, you know, no, using hoof boots. It's there just a, a good plan. It's a good plan. And there Renegade we go. And where can people find out more about Renegade Hoof Boots? You go to RenegadeHoofBoots.com. Easy peasy. There you go. There we go. Now, speaking of learning things, we're going to learn a little bit about CBD oil. Yes, it's a thing. And Roger from Greenflower Botanicals got together with Horse Radio Network's favorite veterinarian, Dr. Wendy Ying, and they had a little chat and uh, want you to hear it. And now our own Dr. Wendy Ying speaks with Roger from Greenflower Botanicals in a series we call CBD Oil 101. In our continuing series on CBD oil, we're going to find out why Greenflower Botanicals is different than other companies. Well, thanks for asking that question, uh, Wendy. Uh, we think that we're able to really provide a superior product for several different reasons. One of those is it begins with we source right here in the USA and we purchase and have partnerships with farms in both Colorado, Kentucky, um, and Oregon, as opposed to a lot of companies are bringing in importing CBD from China. Uh, along with that, our extracts are whole plant extracts instead of isolates. So what that just means is we keep all the fatty acids and trace cannabinoids in there that as they're naturally found and bonded um, in the plant itself. So it's uh, just a really, really wonderful uh, cannabinoid-rich oil. And then, of course, is uh, just the safety and quality issues. Every one of our products is uh, tested at a third-party laboratory for metals, uh, heavy metals, for pesticides, uh, fungus, um, molds, and, of course, for for cannabinoid content itself. So you can always be sure that not only are you getting quality product, but also you're getting a safe product. Well, that's super, Roger. And how can people find Greenflower Botanicals? Go to greenflowerbotanicals.com um, on the Internet, and you'll see all of our products there, as well as the, uh, the testing we talked about. Every product has a test online. And most importantly, for uh, our HRN listeners, you can use coupon code HRN and save 20% off on your first order with Greenflower Botanicals. If you show your horses, please check with your federation on the legal use of CBD oil. And right now I'm talking with Suzanne Hayes, who is a longtime endurance rider. She's been riding since the 80s, or maybe she'll be able to tell me how long, and has close to 25,000 miles, including 81 one-day hundreds. She just recently finished in first place and won the Bighorn 100 mile endurance ride in Wyoming. So thank you for joining us this morning. Susie, how are you feeling these days? I'm feeling not too bad. 
Good. Well, we're going to make this fun. I know you said you uh, really don't like doing interviews a lot. So we're, you know, we're just going to have a good time and, and talk just like we normally would at a ride. Okay. Sounds good. Okay. So uh, how was the Bighorn this year? Uh, it was, it was quite different just, I think, because everything is so much different this year because of the the COVID and everything there was, uh, as you know, there was uh, a lot of people that wanted to ride big horns. So that made it really fun. You know, in the past, it's kind of been uh, fairly low attendance, usually mm-hmm. around 30 or so. And so there, there was a ton of people that came and I think having Tevis cancel uh, made a lot of the, uh, some of the Tevis riders come to big horn and see it for the first time. So that part was really fun to have oh. all the different people there. And how many times have you done the Bighorn? Well, you know, it's my nemesis ride. It's one of those hundreds uh, that I've done quite a few times, and I haven't really done been uh, as successful on it. I started doing Bighorn in the 70s, and I started okay. endurance riding in 1966 when I was oh, 11. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. And I did my first 100-mile ride with Tevis in 1972, and I was 18 when I did Tevis the first time. Oh and I goodness. started doing the big horn in the uh, late seventies and early eighties. And the first time I did it, my horse tripped in a washout and in the first few miles and uh, I was knocked unconscious and he ran out into the desert and it took us three hours to find him. Oh my! And gosh. then the, the second time I had a little mare that just happened to hit a, her uh, pastern on a rock and she fractured a sesamoid bone about 40 miles in. And then the next time was on Cooter on the Race of Champions, and it was before I had his thump, uh, thumping problem figured out. So I pulled there. So three times in a row, I didn't get to finish. And uh, so now Atlas has done it four times, uh, finished all four times, one at once in most best condition. And Sands has, he started uh, two other times, and I had rider option pulls because I wasn't happy with his metabolics one time and then another time I just didn't feel like he was a hundred percent. So he, he's one for three. So okay. th- that ride is just one of those rides that, you know, I either do really good or, or don't. And, uh, uh, so it was, it was really fun to have a, a great ride this year. Now, did you ride with somebody or were you by yourself a lot? No, I rode with somebody. I couldn't ride by myself, Karen, because of my injuries. I could not get on my horse by myself or off. And also, uh, there's a lot of gates, and I knew that. And uh, Ann Hall actually rode Atlas, my big white horse. Okay. And she stayed with me the whole time. And, you know, it it limited uh, how I could do the competition somewhat. But, you know, that's what I had to do. And So tell us, how did you get injured? I was riding one of my young horses, and it's a horse that I've I've been riding for two years, but just really sporadically. And and he had been off for quite some time. And I and I rode one day, and I was crossing the creek, and he put his head down like he wanted to drink, and I let him have his head, and then he leaped straight up in the air. And I know everybody's had this happen before. It's like an alligator bit him on the leg, and then he bolted, oh. and I just went off the bat. And he got hurt quite badly, too. He was scared when, and most horses are when you go off. And he ran into the woods and he impaled himself on a branch about the big, as big as your arm. 
and it went in about 10 inches in his chest, but he missed everything vital, which, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's back to a hundred percent now, but it was pretty scary. And I was a few, I was a little ways away from home and I don't have cell service. And, uh, so when I got close to home, my husband also had uh, recent back surgery. So he's on a walker and he can't drive or anything. And I called my neighbors and uh, one of the, who is an emergency room doctor. And uh, he and his wife just happened to be home and they came up and uh, his wife took my horse to the vet and Kevin took me to the emergency room. <laughs> oh my gosh. And how far ahead of Bighorn did this happen? Six weeks. Okay. And so what were you, what were you, what were your injuries? Um, I had 10 broken ribs and six of them were in uh, more than one place. They call it flail chest and it's quite dramatic. If you Google flail chest, it's kind of scary. I had a punctured lung, so I had a chest tube in the hospital and uh, I had two fractured vertebrae on my back and I had a lacerated liver, which was uh, probably the the biggest injury that they keep you in ICU for. And so I was in ICU for five days and then in, in the hospital for another 10 days. Oh and uh, you know, I talked about Bighorn the whole time I was in there with my trauma people, my trauma doctors, and they would look at me like I was <laughs> absolutely nuts. <laughs> I'm sure they did. <laughs> but, you know, it's just, it was a big ride this year. There very few rides took place. You know, I, I had asked Anne, and Anne was really excited to come up and ride Atlas, and there was just so many things. And I wasn't able to ride, of course. Uh, I rode once before Bighorn after my after I got injured. Uh-huh. And my friends, I have really good friends, and they came up and and continued to condition my horses for me. And um, so I knew that they were fit. It, I knew I was going to be the, the weak link. So, sure, um, sure. And how... Did the actual injuries affect you during the ride? I mean, did you still feel the the ribs? I mean, how? Yeah, I I was able to I manage it. Broke, wow. When I approached my trauma surgeons about doing the ride, they came up with, "Let's do a uh, another uh, CAT scan um, five weeks out, you know, a week before the ride, and see how things look." And so I did that, and then they called me and. They weren't real excited at all about me riding, and their biggest worry was the liver. And, um, you know, and I just, they couldn't say that it was okay for me to ride because, you know, they can't do that. That's sure. that's their profession, and, be, you know, you can't go off and say, well, you told me it was okay. So they were pretty reluctant. But, you know, I just had to think about uh, the, the percentages of if I would go off, and then to protect myself as well as I could if something happened. So mm-hmm. I had a, a padded vest on and I had a hit air vest on. I also had a spot in reach, um, which would sure. be an SOS, you know, a call for a helicopter okay. or something because I knew that how remote Bighorn is. And then I had Ann that was going to ride with me. Oh, and, good. and then, you know, you just figured the, the percentages of how many times you've ridden a horse and stayed on versus how many times you've gone off. Uh-huh. And you know, it was quite low. It was scary. There was no question. And I was apprehensive and I just didn't want to compromise my horse. 
So one of the things I told Anne was to keep an eye on me. And if I, she felt like I was not writing as well as I should, that I hoped that I would have the uh, fortitude to stop. Uh-huh. And I actually felt better during the ride than I thought I was going to. There was some pain. And the only medication that I took was Tylenol and a leaf because I okay. didn't want to cover up anything, you know, that might right. uh, last something. So, um, but, you know, I actually felt better than I thought it was going to. Oh, good. So, yeah. Good. I bet you probably slept really good the next day, huh? Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, after the ride is when, when things uh, didn't feel quite as good. So, Aww. Oh, <laughs> yeah. man, you're but tough. It, it, was, it, was, it was worth it for me. And, I, you know, and the other thing sure. is, is I knew, well, I felt that we could maintain a pretty good pace. And I almost feel like that was better than just going and, you know, having to take a lot more hours to finish it. Uh, I knew both horses were fit and they, they would be able to travel at a pretty good speed wow wow that's just that's amazing and very impressive wow my father i inherited my mother was an endurance writer and my father did ultra marathons until he was 92 okay uh, just before he died so i don't i didn't have a i didn't stand a chance to be any any uh sillier i guess than i am (laughs) so what makes you want to keep coming back and doing the hundreds i don't know it's just the challenge it's my favorite distance the hundreds are and actually um i think aerc has me listed as 81 hundreds and i've actually done 92 Uh, right okay uh, somewhere fei yeah Yeah, and then there's there was four of me before they started keeping track and it before 1983 one of them was that isn't even on my record there is tevis in 72 but um, so I don't know. It's just one of those things. It's a challenge. It's hundreds make you think and you, you know, and it, it's just fun. And I, you know, that, you know, you and I've ridden some together at Tevis and uh-huh. you know how, how they are. they're different. Right. Right. Yeah. I can see you when you're a hundred still riding hundreds. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, I just, yeah, just keep going. And I, as long it, as you it, can. Yep, and you know it does take a little more work as you get older to to stay in shape, mm-hmm. but it's, it's worth it. And I just feel like having the goals of doing endurance riding gets me out more. And if I didn't have that, uh, I may not ride as much as I do. You know, right, right. How many times have you completed the Tevis? I've started it ten times and completed it nine. Oh, pretty good! Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So next yeah, time will be your 10th time. Yeah, I was hoping this year was going to be my 10th and it would have been uh, Atlas's fifth. So, uh, oh, maybe, nice. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I hope I can do it a couple more. I've finished it eight out of nine. Yeah. So I'm yeah. following in your footsteps. Of course, I'm a little <laughs> slower usually than you are, but. <laughs> <laughs> so you yeah, have, have to come try Bighorn sometime. I will. I know. You know, some of the stories I'm reading don't really make me want to do it. <laughs> no, it's you know? really fun. It's, it's so pretty. You know, I, I know. It is beautiful, gorgeous country. It's definitely mm-hmm. uh, one of those rides you 
you know, have on your bucket list. So how many gates are there really? <laughs> oh, there's probably 30 gates, but you know, oh, they're okay. all easy. Yeah. Oh, okay. And in a normal, a normal year, you know, it wouldn't have been a problem, but for me this year it was, but sure, that's okay. Sure. You know, and, and usually there was a group of us together and a lot of times all the, the people on the shorter horses and the younger ones, uh-huh. younger people would do all the gates. And right. I, I rode quite a bit with Cameron Holzer and Sammy Browneller, and both of them are quite a bit younger, and they did almost all the gates when we oh, were together. Good. So, yes, that's right. You know. Let the young people do it. <laughs> yeah. And there's friends. a rule that if you're on a short horse, you have to do it too. So that's why I, I ride those tall horses. I know. Yeah, I just got a new horse and he's the tallest horse I've ever had. It's like, how does that work? (laughs) It should be going the other way. You just have to be firm with your with your friends that they have to open all the gates, Karen. Okay. Yes. That's why I ride with juniors. <laughs> mm-hmm. I make them do it. <laughs> exactly. How did you initially get started in endurance? Well, my mother, uh, she was she was raised in a very non horse household. And when she got to be in college, she lived back in Vermont. And she went to Dana Hall. Uh, high school, which was a, uh, they had a horse program and that's why she went. And when she was, after she graduated and um, and when she was 19, she had a horse and she lived in, in Vermont and Lake and Ludlow, Vermont. And she wanted to do the Vermont 100 competitive trail ride. So she rode her horse 20 miles from Ludlow to Woodstock, did the three day hundred and then rode it 20 miles home. And that was when she was 19. Oh, okay. And then after she and my dad got married, they moved to Montana. And in uh, mid-1960s, Margaret Bessinger started putting on competitive trail rides in in our area. And mom had so much fun when she was 19 that she got us all involved in it. And we just went from there. Okay, you got addicted. So which rides are your favorite? Which what? Which are your favorite rides? Um. The next, as my father would have said it when people asked him about his runs, which ride is your, what run is your favorite? He would always say the next one. Uh-huh. So that'll be my, uh-huh. the next one. Yes. You know, there's, there's some that stick out. Teva sticks out because it's one of the last big deal rides left and it's a lot of fun. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, in tough, tough hundreds, Bighorn obviously sticks out. But I really enjoy all of our kind of our backyard rides. You know, like Antelope Island and Old Salam, and every every ride has its appeal. Sure. Uh huh. Yeah, I always feel like my best ride I've ever had was always the one I just did. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah. Some people say, "Why do you do hundreds?" And I said, "Maybe it's because it feels so good when you're done." <laughs> <laughs> That's true. There's we all have those moments during the hundred. We're like, "Why are we doing this?" And then you're really glad that you did. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm glad you're still riding hundreds. That's that's terrific. Yeah. So, do yeah, you have any any more plans for this ride season? Well, because of all of the cancellations, there is a. I mean, we'll probably go to a th- maybe a three day ride the first of September, and and maybe something else in in uh, 
the end of September, October. There's not a whole lot of rides, you know, right. left, but fortunately in our area, it seems like there's a few more rides than most just because we're so rural. Good. And, uh, Good. Yeah. The managers are willing to put them on. So. Right. Yeah. And I'm in an area where almost everything has been canceled. There's really nothing yeah. to choose from. It's un- Yeah. And, you know, we've had lots and lots of uh, West Coast riders and, and even Central and some East Coast that are coming this far because so many rides in their area have been canceled, too. Uh-huh. Gosh. Well, I hope sure you continue to... To, yeah, to heal up, and um, I'll be looking forward to hopefully sharing some more trail with you guys, with you and your horses down the road in the future. Mm-hmm. So thanks for joining us, and congratulations, by the way, on your win. Thank you. Thank you very much, and thanks for thinking of me. Okay, thanks, Susie. Have a good day. Okay, okay bye. bye, Karen. Wow, I'm just not that tough. Not <laughs> you know I don't think I am either. Just Although not. I I uh, have ridden Tevas with broken ribs, it was but it was only a couple. I I she's tough, man. <laughs> she's tough. Wowzer! I yeah, I'm just yeah, just outside my league. That's all there is to it. <laughs> man, it makes, makes my rib cage hurt just thinking about it. <laughs> she's yeah. One tough lady for sure. Wow. Yeah. Nine, and 9,200s she's done. Whew, that's crazy. Speaking of ribs, speaking of ribs, <laughs> I wanted to mention Total Saddle Fit. A lot of regular listeners are aware that Total Saddle Fit makes this thing called the Shoulder Relief Girth. And they make it for English saddles with both long and short billets. They make it for Western saddles, the shoulder relief cinch. Well, they also make it for Australian and trail saddles that have the wider long billets which is something you see a fair number of in the endurance biz, that regardless of what sort of saddle you have, you can get a girth that helps your saddle fit its best and keep your horse's rib cage and shoulders their happiest. Because endurance, if your tack doesn't fit just right, you're going to have a problem, aren't you? You will. Yeah, you're going to have a problem. And happy horse. You want your horse as happy and comfortable as they can be. That's right, because things are going to get rubbed if it doesn't fit right when you're riding. Even a 25-mile ride, it's going to have a problem. And and uh, the vets take it very seriously if you get rub marks and things from your tack, don't they? Sure. They do. Yes, you can get pulled depending on, you know, where it's at. But you definitely want to have a comfortable and happy horse. There we go. And you can find the shoulder relief girths for all sorts of saddles at totalsaddlefit.com. And when you purchase it from totalsaddlefit.com, they have a 90-day return on all orders. That means you can take it home and actually use it and make sure it does what it's supposed to and it fits just perfectly. Or they will pay shipping both ways. So uh, check them out today. It's totalsaddlefit.com. Com. And I think that about wraps things up for today. Um, to find out about rides in your area, how to join the AERC, learn about endurance riding in general, you can go to so a. Go ahead. AERC, just AERC.org. AERC.org. Or if you're not good at that, you can just put American Endurance Ride Conference. Now, you also have a web page. Facebook page, some such, um, don't you? You know, I need to start my blog back again now that I have stuff to blog about. Yeah. You know, I get 
get to talk about the new horse and all the training and education he's going to be getting. There we go. We can enjoy the fun. So just okay. if you just Google Karen chat and stuff pops up. Yeah, there you go. And I'm on Twitter and Instagram and you're there. You're out there. Facebook and everybody's going to get tired about hearing this new Apollo horse. Oh, we so. love we love new horse adventures. We love old horse adventures. We love adventures in general. I know. There it's going to be so fun. Looking forward to it. To, uh, yeah, and, and uh, hopefully um, we're going to get along and he's going to behave himself. <laughs> because as I know your horse can get race brain, right? Little, little race brain, yeah. A little bit of race brain going. And yeah. that's common. I think that's a kind of a common thing with endurance horses. Well, it is, it is a, technically it is a race. The hard part is, is Nigel gets sprinter's brain. (laughs) (laughs) He thinks he's secretariat. In in his heart, he is secretariat. Yes. (laughs) They all are. Yes. Yes. They want to go, you know, it's, yeah, you can't convince the horse that you're not trying to win and beat every other horse there. This is not the Belmont. (laughs) It is not. I know they think, oh, it's a race. Let's go. So, yeah, it's, you know, people will say, oh, they settled down after a few rides. Well, <clears throat> some do, but I, mine usually don't. Usually after a few <laughs> rides, they yeah. really figure it out. Yeah, for- and then they're fitter and then they're stronger. Yeah. And now they really want to go and now they're more capable of doing it. Yeah. So, um, you know, that's why... You know, when you bring along a new horse, you want to try to keep them level-headed and under, you know, control and be able to rate them without it being a big argument. Right. It's, uh, it's, It's really a case of finding out what your horse's ride style is that keeps him mm -hmm. mentally happy. Right. Yeah. Because each horse has a, a a different style. Some horses want to be out in the front. Some horses want to be with the same pack all the time. Some horses need to do a little bit of passing early on to help them feel better. And then they settle and you have to learn what, what your horse needs uh-huh. to be mentally right. on his and game. Yeah, exactly. And you need to be able to, you know, basically bring them back into earth's orbit. So, yeah. <laughs> so that they're watching where they're going and they're not going to trip because the footing changes. Cause or run into trees. There's that. Ex- there's running into there trees. You go, yeah, we you know? we do that. And so yeah, it's uh, it, the, the like I said earlier, the amount of stuff that you've got to teach a new horse to be able to go out, you know, in public and be safe. You know, it's kind of mind-boggling. You yeah. know, especially since for someone like me, I've been riding, you know, the same horses for decades. You know, Chief's 25 years old, and I've been riding him for 20 years. So you get a little spoiled with that, <laughs> you know, and you don't realize how much, you know, he's learned and how much, you, you know, that he's learned, you know, along the way that, you know, the new horse who's basically not done anything for five years, you know, some of it he already did know, but he does have to be, you know, re-educated and, um, you know, work out some of the rest (laughs) well sure absolutely and you have to get to you have to get to know his brain what what makes him a happy and successful competitor because it's all you know we in endurance we talk so much about their recovery rates but if you can't get their brain in the game the recovery rate won't matter 
Right. You know? Yes. There you go. And and like with Chief, the thing that I have always had to manage the most with him was his brain. Because mm-hmm. he was what I would call a hothead. Mm-hmm. And he would get so mentally wound up that that's what I always had to manage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, physically, it that was never the limitation. It was always his brain was the limitation. Absolutely, yeah. Well, same here. It's it's the brain uh-huh. game, and so, the, yeah, the physical understand. limitations are on my part. <laughs> <laughs> That's how it is for a lot of us. Everybody except for Susie here. Yeah, except for Susie. Well, sixty six years old and still winning hundreds. Yeah, I feel so inadequate. Severe injuries that require so to stay in the ICU. You know. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Well, we're, Just, that's about a wrap today. It's it's an endurance it's an endurance show in every way, shape, or form. To fi- find links to our guest today and more information, you can go to you can go to horsesinthemorning.com. Follow us on Facebook, join the fun. Just search for horses in the morning, and on Twitter, our handle is horse radio. We will ba- be back again tomorrow with more fun and games from Horse Radio Network. Horses in the morning, Glenn and Jamie will be back. So until next month. We'll see you around. Yes. Hopefully we can talk about me doing an endurance ride. Woo! <laughs> Getting antsy. 